Blog Talk Radio. And others that he wrote, 
And um, as a matter of fact, my wife just walked into the studio. How are you doing, honey? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's great to have you with us. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yes. So um, uh, the, the, the book title, you'll see it when you believe it, is a way to personal transformation. And uh, Wayne Dyer, he's written books, as I mentioned earlier, Your Erroneous Zones, Pulling Your Own Strings, The Sky's the Limit, Gifts from Iclis, and What Do You Really Want for Your Children? He has a doctorate degree in uh, counseling psychology, and uh, he also is a psychotherapist, and he was one of the prominent figures in uh, um, American culture who appeared in the Time magazine to pass on his ideas and views to those who will inherit the earth 100 years from now, and he makes his home uh, presently in Florida. Uh, One of the chapters that really sticks out to me in terms of, I'm not going to just go from beginning to end of the book. I just wanted to just uh, share with the listening audience, those of you around the world, especially those of you who don't do not have access to uh, a library or bookstores or cannot afford to purchase a book online, or who indeed uh, do not know how to read or incapacitated. You may be blind or just, you know, confined to your bed. I hope that I am able to uh, facilitate your needs in terms of choosing books such as this and uh, to uh, educate you or to remind you what you've known already, but just to rejuvenate those thoughts. And, of course, those of you in the guest room, and I do appreciate, I acknowledge that we have a couple of guests uh, in the guest room, and thank you so much for joining us. And those of you who are listening by our phone, please feel free to share your thoughts. Um, you can, by phone, you can push the number one button, and that would indicate to me that you'd like to come on the air, and it would be a pleasure to have you share your comments and thoughts with us. Uh, The chapter that I'm going to review uh, right now is the one titled Synchronicity. And uh, the reason I'm choosing this is because I've been experiencing, my wife and I both have been experiencing quite a bit of synchronistic events in our lives. And it's always exciting. You know, we're somewhat conditioned to think that things happen by accident or there's a coincidence and so forth. And, of course, my philosophy does not embrace things being coincidental. I believe that all things are in divine order. And I got that expression actually from Wayne Dyer some 35-plus years ago. So I start off again uh, with the synchronicity. Uh, and he states that the universe is complete and perfect. There can be no mistakes. Nothing is random. The entire one song is exquisitely synchronized. Now, perhaps I should back up a moment in terms of what he means by one song. And that is his chapter that deals with oneness. He says, you are at once a beating heart and a single heartbeat and the body called humanity. So he he suggests that we take a few moments to study the word universe, the term that we use to describe the immense world of form in which we find ourselves thinking and breathing day in and day out. In other words, breaking the word down, we have uni, which means one, and verse, which means a song, thus one song. That is our universe. And my friends, just one song, no matter how we separate into individual little notes, we are all still involved in the one song. 
and this is one of the most difficult concepts for us to grasp and apply to our daily lives because we believe so strongly in our separateness. We recognize ourselves as one unit functioning separately among billions of others, and we identify exclusively with our own mind as unique and separate from everyone else's on our planet. And we look out from our separateness and believe that through it, it is the only way to interact with the world and our reality. But however, a, a huge shift is required in our consciousness to include the universal principle of oneness. And once we make that shift and begin to recognize all of humanity as a beautifully harmonious song, magnificent changes take place in our individual lives. But to make the shift, you will need to suspend beliefs resulting from the narrow perspective of a personal life history and instead begin to think about yourself in relationship to everyone else who shares this planet now with you, who has ever been here before, and even more strikingly, who will show up in the future. Mm, I like that. I repeat that. To make the shift, you will need to suspend beliefs resulting from the narrow perspective of a personal life history and instead begin to think about yourself in relationship to everyone else who shares this planet now with you, who has ever been here before, and even more strikingly, who will show up in the future. So that says a lot. You know, he's striking, he's touching upon reincarnation. He's touching upon the fact that we have, all of us have been here before. And if we have not been on this planet before, we've been in other planetary uh, states before. And, of course, we can be assured if we embrace that logic that we will be here again. Thus, continuing what Dyer calls the one song. And the one song, as we remember, he just defined, he, he broke down the word universe, uni being one and verse being song, thus one song. Albert Einstein, a man that we consider perhaps the greatest mind of our century, and I might just preface that to say one of the greatest minds of our century, because we're talking about someone of European uh, uh, descent as opposed to someone of the world. And, uh, and this is because this man was documented, and he did some very great things, but they were documented. And then there are other men and women in our planet who have done things in the, in the history of the world, in the history of the universe, who have done things that were very profound and had an effect on, on, on the, uh, the planet and the world and, and its inhabitants, but who were not documented and uh, who were not really, who are also considered of great minds. But he wrote these words regarding the perspective and uh, in terms of uh, human beings and humanity. A human being is a part of the whole called by us universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself or herself, his or her thoughts and feelings, as something separated from the rest. And I include the word her. It is, he just writes the word in quotes says, and says he. But, of course, he implies he includes she. But I, I do not leave that just to be implied. I will always say, if I can remember and think about it, that it should be he, her, and he, uh, he she, as it were. 
Um, so he goes on to say that he, ex- he or she experiences themselves as thoughts and feelings, or as something separated from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his or her consciousness. And this delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to affection from a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole nature in its beauty. Einstein was much more than a scientist. He was a deep-thinking metaphysician. And with little or no regard for the established ways of thinking and doing, in the words uh, that I have quoted, and this is Wayne Dyer saying this, Einstein offers us a challenge to free ourselves from our cages and to see how we are all connected, not only in a spiritual or astral sense, but in a linear physical world, real world sense as well. And he goes on to state that I have my own way of thinking this concept to take shape for me. And first is that is to get a perspective for dealing with metaphysical matters. I ask myself, can I get back far enough to see the entire picture? And I visualize being able to stand in a place and literally see the entire scope of creation. And since this is impossible to do in form, I try to look in the other direction, that is, towards the tiniest speck, and to magnify magnify what is inside that speck, and so on to infinity. And Victor Hugo puts it this way, where the telescope ends, the microscope begins, which of the two has the greater or grander view. So I suggest that you temporarily put away the telescope on the entire one song and take a look inward at the one thing you know the most, about your own body. And here we will see that we all am I, that is we. To borrow a phrase from Richard Moss's marvelous book of that title, let's take a look through the metaphorical microscope. We are all teeming with life forms, and most of which are necessary to keep us in a state of aliveness. Our eyelids have many tiny organisms that work in harmony with the whole the lining of our large intestines have hundreds of different kinds of microbes, all alive, all with their own unique characteristics. And I, as I read this, I think of my wife talking and I talking earlier this evening about uh, the fact that the, the intestines or the stomach has certain bacteria in it. We have good bacteria and bad bacteria. And the writer of this article is postulating that uh, bacteria, bad bacteria, can be the precursor to diabetes. So that's something that we are investigating and, 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 and this reviewing, but that was just new knowledge to us. And we can just go on, to, as Dye states, uh, that our body contains all these microbes, and uh, our scalp being uh, what holds our hair together is a home for tiny organisms, each of which has a separate identity that can be examined with the powerful microscope. So too our liver, our pancreas, toenails, skin, heart, and on and on are breaming with life, all working in harmony with the whole that we call me. But yes, indeed, you and I are a me, and that is we. 
And through this microscopic life forms that reside within our toenails will very likely never come into contact with those other very different life forms that live in our eyeball, eyeballs and eyelids. They are both separate and unique and crucial to the survival of the totality that we call ourselves. And this became abundantly clear for me, as Wayne says, when I saw a documentary on the life forms living within one raindrop with a very powerful microscope. Scientists documented that there were hundreds of life forms in each raindrop, many of which had no physical contact with the other life forms in the same drop. They were of different colors and shapes and organs, and origins rather, each with unique physical characteristics, and were as far away from one another as we are tribesmen in Afghanistan. Yet they all composed the totality called a raindrop. In an endless universe, it is inconceivable that our physical size is proportionately the same as that of the tiniest microbe within the tiniest microbe, within even tinier microbes all within that drop of rain. The infinitely tiny life form that resides within our toenail will never make physical contact with the tiny microbes in the inner lining of our retina and our eye, and in that eye socket, and on the head of our torso, ad infinitum, infinitum. At the time being, it is a separate, unique part of the totality called the person. And from this perspective, we can contemplate ourselves as a person in relation to the totality known as the universe. So with our narrow vision, we can see that we are connected at the physical level, and we can validate this with physical measurement methods. But we tend to use these measuring sticks, which we have invented, as instruments to enslave us to a confining and narrow introspection and interpretation of our place in this one song. We do this by believing that reality is only what we are capable of measuring, rather than both what we measure and what is still unmeasurable. And I dare to just think, if I may just contemplate that, uh, that, that statement, we are only so many hundreds of years in a state of uh, high, what we call state-of-the-art technology. And I think if we can just eat a piece, just a sliver of that humble pie, that uh, we can recognize, as I'm speaking to you through this wireless telephone in my, my uh, studio, looking on to the monitor, and I again, I invite... I welcome you, and I appreciate all the guests that are in the guest room and those who are calling in. Thank you so much. Peace and love to all of you. Uh, I just think that so many of us lose it when we think that we are actually uh, delving in something that's very sophisticated, where I can, at my age, I'm 60-plus, I can remember when I had to share a telephone line when my mother first got her first phone. We pick up the phone and we would hear people talking. We would have to, have to ask them how long they were going to be on the phone before we could make our phone call. And they would tell us, well, I'll be on the phone for another 10 minutes. We said, well, could you make that in maybe five minutes? Because I have an emergency call to make. And, of course, we've come a long way. Now the average child has their own uh, cell phone, or should I say the typical teenager. But we're led to believe uh, until now that we 
we're separate from one another. And, of course, the Internet and other social network uh, systems have allowed us to be in connection with one another, with one another unlike never before in past generations. Through Skype, even through some of the phones, we can actually talk and see each other talking on the other side of the line, you know, see the face, as it were. And I remember during the uh, the World's Fair in the 1960s uh, here in New York City that uh, things of the future were such far-fetched, we could not even contemplate it. But, yes, uh, today's news has that uh, California has passed a law where cars can be driven unmanned, cars being driven by robots. You just key in your designation, and using a GPS system, the car takes off and starts using uh, certain sensory devices so it doesn't make doesn't crash and so forth. And, of course, you have to be there to, to monitor it. But the car is running it by itself. So in another 50 to 100 years from now, that will be a thing of common practice. Highways will be automatically trans transporting human beings from one state to another. And uh, indeed, planes will be transporting human beings from one country to another. And it behooves us to be aware of the fact that we tend to think that, yes, it doesn't serve us well to separate ourselves from one another, that we need to communicate with one another and participate in this one song so that when each of us leaves this body in which we call ourselves, that we can leave uh, the planet in a better way than it is right now and prepare our children, our children's grandchildren's grandchildren to live a life that is uh, healthy and emotionally, mentally, and spiritually balanced. And that's regardless of our uh, uh, religious and, and spiritual orientation, that we stay in, in tune, no pun intended, <laughs> that we stay in tune, that we stay and become, remain mindful of this one song. And those of you who didn't hear me in the early, uh, at the beginning of the, of the show, um, Dyer came up with this expression, one song, by uh, breaking down the word universe. The word uni means one, and the word verse means song, thus one song. So the seven billion human beings that reside on this planet, on this earth, on this mother earth, are actually partaking in one song. As we breathe in and breathe out, there's a sound that happens, that it occurs as we breathe. And that sound, regardless of what tone or, to, or note that that may be, a key that it may be in, as it were, is a con con contribution to this universal one song. And that song, that one song is on this planet, it is also within other galaxies, and I understand uh, it's been proven mathematically so far that there are 100 billion galaxies. That's 100 billion. And uh, Dr. DeGrasse at the Hayden Planetarium here in New York City uh, states that there, uh, for every grain of sand that's on this planet, planet Earth, and that's a grain of sand that is above water and below water, that there is a star. And he also postulates that we are all, as human beings, we're star matter. We all represent an individual star. We have all the elements, all of the ingredients of a star. And thus, coming from a biblical perspective, we are told that we, we, we come, our body is made out of dust, out of 
the element of dirt, and of course, and then it contains our soul, which is a, a, an, an essence of the Most High of God. You know, but there's many ways, philosophical and metaphysical and spiritual ways of interpreting who we are and how we're made up. But the thing that we, we, not making it complicated, but keeping it simple, is just understanding that we are actually one song. We're all interdependent upon one another. The air that we're breathing is the same air that has been breathed by our ancestors, by human beings that have been here thousands and thousands of years ago. It's that same air. You know, and and it's something that's very miraculous when you understand the fact, and I've talked about in previous shows, that the air that we breathe is a result of the photosynthesis process that the trees go through in terms of the leaves. Taking uh, in the the, uh, carbon monoxide and and transforming that, that energy, that element, into oxygen, which is what we need to breathe. You know, we can do without water for a number of days, but we cannot do without air for more than a a few minutes, as it were, on the average person. So, again, not to digress, I I wanted to really get into the area of synchronicity, but uh, it seemed as if this concept of one song is something that was worthwhile to review. And then on our next show, we will continue uh, with uh, reviewing what Wayne Dyer has to discuss about synchronicity. And as I mentioned earlier, I have been going through quite a few synchronistic experiences uh, as of late. And a lot of that has to do with um, my meditating, my prayer, uh, reciting affirmations, and doing other ritual, uh, which uh, I find to be of benefit to me. And these are cleansing experiences and also clearing experiences. And once you do that, uh, you find uh, events showing up that you've been looking forward to, uh, that you've been hoping would occur. You find people calling you that you've been thinking of. You find your loved ones reaching out to you. Uh, You find that, uh, indeed, problems that you've had, you go to sleep and you have a dream and you come up with the solution. And, of course, most inventions, people who have uh, so-called invented things, uh, they uh, come up with these ideas in their dreams. Uh, sometimes it's a daydream. They might be awake, but they're still in the dream state. So, again, um, we, we will go over university, I'm sorry, university just went over, but synchronicity next week. Uh, and he, just briefly, Wayne says that the universe is complete and perfect. There can be no mistakes. Nothing is random. The entire one song is exquisitely synchronized. And to understand synchronicity and to implement it, we are required to suspend some of our old ideas and to give up our notion of coincidence, of mistakes, and our belief that people are imperfect. The principle that every single event and every single person is connected seems almost too much to accept. But most of us would rather hang on to the principle of randomness and error. We seldom consider that everything within our perfectly operating universe may also be operating perfectly. It appears easier to believe that inexplainable coincidences occur occur for no specific reason. So the term synchronicity was first used by Carl Jung, and that was um, uh, Sigmund Freud's disciple, I'm sorry, his uh, protege, 
And Carl Jung, who happened to be a physician, a metaphysics also, as well as being a psychologist, he spent his life attempting to unravel the mysterious threads that seem to wind together in a pattern that is impossible for us in form to decipher. He described synchronicity as the simultaneous occurrence of two meaningfully but not causally connected events. And he hypothesized that a collaboration exists between people and events that seem somehow to involve fate and is always operating in... So again, we will continue this next week. And I end as I begin, always, we give thanks uh, to our Most High. And in closing prayer, I just say, Dear God, we give this evening to you, and may our minds stay centered on the things of spirit and goodness, and may we not be tempted to stray from love. As we begin this week, we open to receive you, and please enter where you already abide. May our minds and hearts be pure and true, and may we not deviate from the things of goodness. The love and innocence in all mankind behind the masks we all wear and the illusions of this worldly plane. We surrender to you our doings this evening and this weekend and this coming week, and we ask only that they serve you in the healing of the world. May we bring you love and goodness with us to give unto others wherever we go. Make us the people that you would have us be, O Lord, and direct our footsteps and show us what you would have us do and make the world a safer, more beautiful place. Bless all your creatures, heal us all, and use us, dear Lord, that we might know the joy of being used by you. Amen. Namaste, shalom, assalamu alaikum, one love, peace, love, and blessings to all. God bless and we'll... Yeah.